Talk to an artist is part of 723 Ministries at Lovers Lane United Methodist Church. To support our continued work in West Dallas, text LLUMC to 77977 and designate the funds as 723 Ministries. Thank you for helping us continue this important work. Well, welcome to Talk to an Artist. Um, this is the show where I get to chat with people who have been involved in our partnership with Art Stillery and in Art Cultivation. And so this week I get to have the awesome opportunity to chat with Sergio Antonio Garcia. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for inviting me. Of course. So um, you've been involved at Art Stillery and Art Cultivation since the beginning, correct? Yes. Uh, um, pretty much from the beginning, yeah. I think it was their very first show that I was actually, so yes, I guess from that beginning. <laughs> That's so cool. So if you, if you, if people out there watching haven't gotten a chance to come to our Cultivation, you are one of our incomparable hosts who <laughs> does a fantastic job of just hosting our art Cultivation and engaging the audience. And so, yeah, yeah it's a oh. really awesome, uh, <laughs> is that your phone? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Let's start over. Hold on. Oh, you're good. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. No, it's good. I can actually edit it out, so we're hey. fine. So we'll just keep going, or I'll leave it in and be like, "Sorry." No. <laughs> I do that sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, "Well, if I messed up, it's it's fine. I'll just leave it in and go with it." Um. So yeah. So uh, I'm just going to give people opportunity to get to know you. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah. Um. Well, again, thank you for this opportunity not only to be in these art spaces, but um, to share my story and share who I am with, uh, with a broader art audience or just people in general. But, um, so I have actually, oh gosh, um, I wear several different hats, but like r right now what I do is I work for an organization called Big Thought and we are a nonprofit organization in youth development. So a lot of the work that I do centers around the arts. So it was the kind of a natural fit for me to do that. But basically, I manage what's called the Dallas City of Learning Initiative for the organization Big Thought. And uh, what I really try to do is cultivate learning opportunities and experiences. I collaborate with several different organizations, institutions like Dallas ISD and the city of Dallas itself just to bring uh, not only arts, but just learning in general to marginalized youth and uh, under-resourced communities. So um, a lot of a lot of what I do and personally match up with what Big Thought does. So I have a passion for education. I have a passion for the arts, and I also have a passion for activism. And so my work that I do at Big Thought really combines the two. And um, believe it or not, it's actually a great creative outlet for myself as well. And that's, that's kind of what pays the bills, right? But overall, I've actually also been a professional actor here in the Dallas area almost 20 years now, believe it or not. So I moved, um, I moved here in North, uh, to North Texas. Um, I went to UNT. I actually have a degree in music education and choral studies and um, got my degree, moved to New York for a year to study musical theater, was there for about a year, 
Um, unfortunately, 9-11 happened, so I had to come back. Um, and then, like I said, I've been in the Dallas area for about 20 years now doing professional theater. And um, it has always been uh, kind of a second life for me as well. But that's where I really was able to kind of cultivate myself as an artist, cultivate myself as a performer. And it's interesting because whenever somebody asks me, whenever I say I'm an artist and they ask me, well, what does that mean to you? Or they always almost automatically think as a visual artist. And, uh, you know, I, th I think people really general, the general public out there don't really realize when you say you're an artist, it could mean several different things. And um, so, yes, I'm a singer. Yes, I'm an actor. Yes, I'm a dancer. And um, yes, uh, I've been involved in visual arts as well, you know, and that's kind of where I really love to live is in that creative space. And so, like I said, not only being an artist, so, which I call myself, um, I also have a passion for education and really wanting to use that as a way to give back. And of course, uh, my social activism, which is making sure that those opportunities are for people, young kids that look like me who may not have had that opportunity. And so all of that work, all of my experiences as an artist, my experience as an educator really led to where I am right now with this organization, Big Thought, as, uh, as an opportunity to ultimately give back to youth who may not, one, understand that those opportunities are out there for them, two, to let them know that uh, I am a person that looks like them and I'm successful. So for me, representation is essential and successful representation is, also, is like paramount as well. Um, so being in those spaces really kind of inspire me a lot to be able to continue the work that I do. And so that's a little bit about who, who I am and what I do. That's so cool. I had no idea that you did like music, musical theater. That's, an, that's really awesome. Yeah. What was, uh, uh, what's been like your favorite, I'm gonna kind of deviate from the questions. What's been your favorite yeah. show that you've been in? Oh gosh, so this is, uh, this is funny. Um, actually, I did a show called Pageant uh, several years ago. And if anybody out there knows what pageant is, it's actually um, a play where all the men dress in drag. And so I was Miss Industrial Northeast. And it was one of the best acting experiences that I ever had, really. Um, and it, it allowed me to, one, be somebody different and really have a creative voice that was uniquely my own. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, the play pageant itself is like, we are pageant contestants and we are going through kind of old school pageant um, style, like an interview, a spokesperson interview. We had a talent. Um, we even, there was a swimsuit competition. So I had to be in a swimsuit. <laughs> um, but that was one of my favorite, favorite theatrical experiences because like I said it really pushed my boundaries as an artist I had to learn how to just like very min minor minor play the accordion so my talent was to play the accordion while roller skating I knew how to roller skate I could roller skate but I couldn't play the accordion so I actually had to learn how to play the accordion so again it was like really pushing me as an artist and that was really one of my favorite experiences 
um, that is uh, most recent, which was a, a few years back, but it still um, is one of the highlights of my career. That's so cool. I love that. I love when things like push you out of your comfort zone like that. Yeah. It's really awesome. So you talked about how um, right now you work with an organization that focuses on empowering, you know, kids who are from marginalized communities. Mm -hmm. And that really plays into kind of who Art Stillery is. So mm -hmm. how did you get involved with art cultivation and art stillery? Yeah. Um, so Jeffrey Colangelo, which um, most of, you know, people here in the theater community know, I was actually doing a show for him um, with Karamia Theater. And he was just kind of talking with um, Lucila and saying that they were looking for somebody who could sing a classical song mm -hmm. and bartend at the same time. And that was the first show of the first art stilly art cult that they did. And I kind of said, well, I, you know, I can at least bartend for you. And then again, I heard that they were looking for somebody who could sing a classical piece. I'm like, well, I could do that for you too. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's how I kind of got roped in. And Jeffrey definitely was able, you know, open for me to be there. And so I came in, I bartended. Um, the, the spiel was, while I was bartending, then I just broke out into this classical piece and walked around while still doing a little bartending. Basically, it was just like pouring wine and serving yeah. beer at that time. Um, but that's how I got started, and that was the first show that they did. And that was actually one of the funnest things because it was so new. And that was like mm -hmm. actually one of my favorite memories of that is because it was the first one, mm -hmm. and it was so new. We and we knew that we were creating something really special. Yeah. And uh, that energy that was being created at that moment um, was just amazing. And that really kind of was one of my favorite uh, experiences also when it came yeah. to my career as a, as a performer and as an artist was that initial moment. That's so cool. So, um, you know, I can imagine that bartending and singing at the same time may not be the easiest thing. So <laughs> is there a moment that you... You know, what was, what's been the most, like, challenging thing that you've experienced um, creating and performing in this, you know, theater world? Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh. I know, big question. <laughs> it's a big question. It's a loaded question as well. Mm -hmm. um, and if I want to be completely honest, right, yeah. the, mm -hmm. the, the biggest challenge that I've had is, one, as an artist co of color, as a performer of color, um, it's difficult for me to connect with work that is um, largely a white focus and that mm -hmm. is largely a white narrative. And we have some great theaters around here, like Caramia Theater, like Teatro Dallas, that really specifically speak to Latinx communities. Mm -hmm. um, and there's like Soul Rep that speak to African-American and, and those companies that are uh, actors of color focus, but that's actually not where I wanted to um, really start my journey, only because it's great that they're there, but I felt like it was my job and my calling to go into spaces like a Theater 3, go into spaces like Dallas Theater Center or Casa Manana, to um, be, be mindful that I, I am as talented as my white counterparts, and so I would say that's kind of been my biggest struggle is being able to be in those spaces and be represented and not be in the chorus, right? Mm -hmm. Being a, um, a featured person or being a lead 
is still something that I struggle with as, a, as an actor of color and a lot of these, um, in these theaters, these white centric theaters. And I, and I don't discredit them because they are doing good work, but that has been my struggle. And again, um, connecting with the materials that they are producing that I feel like I, one, am represented, two, that even if it is um, a character of, uh, a white character or a character, a person of color can play, am I connecting with the, with that storyline? And I still don't see a lot of that happening. And I think that's yeah. the choice of the directors that how are you choosing your materials that speaks to more of a broader audience to where people and performers of color can then put their stories behind them and their journeys as part of that. So that really has been um, my biggest challenge in finding work and finding places of creation in these types of theaters. Um, like I said, theaters like Caramia, Teatro Dallas, and Soul Rep Theater and all those theaters, um, I have done work for and I, I, I absolutely love being a part of, part of them because I do feel represented. Um, but I really challenge myself to be in other spaces. And I still um, meet a lot of kind of, um, and it could be just me, but I really feel like they're not taking the consideration um, that we as performers of color are equally as talented and that they should also be thinking out of the box and what those stories should be. I think it's a really, that's a really great point because I've had actually had a lot of conversations with people recently about mm -hmm. the arts and the importance of the fact that like the art community is a little whitewashed. And I say that mm -hmm. like, acknowledging my own privilege as a white woman um, and knowing that like my face is a face that a lot of people see and it needs to not be because that's not the face that everyone has, you know? Right. And so I, I really applaud you for like doing the work of being like, hey, my space and my story needs to be more general and needs to be included in these yeah. narratives. Yeah. You know, like you, we need to see your face and hear your, hear, hear your story, which is what we're hoping. Yeah, for. exactly. Yeah. Hear my story. And you know, and I, it's funny that um, I say that as well, because then I have friends who say, well, why don't you create your own stories? And I'm like, you're right. I can't do that. Um, I just feel like there needs to be more, more of these theaters who are on this journey with us to be able to kind of highlight those stories. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it is a double-edged sword in a, in a lot of the ways, but, and I, I recognize my privilege because I understand that one, I'm a male anyways, so mm -hmm. I, I can have more privilege in that. So it's like my, my counterparts who are female uh, actors of color or, you know, transgender actors who are out there who don't get a lot of work because they're not producing a lot of those uh, stories mm -hmm. um, really need that voice and we need to hear more of that. And I, and I really like to challenge the theater community out there to try to tell more of those stories on a larger scale. Yeah, I love that. What a, wow, so that's such a great message right now, especially right now. Yeah. Yeah, well, so, you know, Artillery is kind of doing this where they are mm -hmm. putting out stories that, you know, are not new, but new to people who have not experienced that type of, you know, oppression or um, not seeing their story represented, especially with, you know, Generations of Adam and Family Dollar mm -hmm. and Dirty Turk and the incredible things they've done. Um, and you kind of talked about your favorite memory of what the first time you did art cultivation, like that was incredible. So is there another 
favorite art distillery memory where you kind of realized like you guys had lightning in a bottle, that you had really done something incredible here? Um, you know, to be honest, like every art cultivation experiences is so new. And I think that's what I really love is that we're bringing in these, these voices, these new art voices, different mediums of what art could look like and who those people are doing the art. Um, and when I say art, you know, it is performance, it is dance, it is music, it is, it is all of that. And again, each art cultivation experience is so different and so new. What I love about it overall uh, and what always comes to mind is taking that old style of vaudeville, right? The, the featured act here, but then, you know, you have your smaller acts and giving, uh, giving people just a chance to express themselves in their own ways in each art cultivation. So I, it's hard for me to single out one really right now in a way, except for that very first one, of course. <laughs> but, um, because they, they take into consideration about who they are bringing on stage and what the expression is, I really think more people need to be, one, seeing this because it's new every time and you're gonna find something interesting and art cultivation, art stillery really are mindful about that and bringing these new voices to the stage but there's not a lot of opportunity to do that. And so really, if that's what I would say is my favorite thing about what they do is bringing these new voices for people to see and hear and experience overall. I will say, I think it was uh, in February when uh, Ginger the Pole Ninja came. Oh my like, God. Oh my gosh, just like blew everything out of the water. I'm like, yeah, that's a, that was amazing. It's like, Ginger the Ninja, you are like, Props to you, yes. I give you all the bows, because <laughs> I could do that, yeah. Yeah, it, that was incredible, and I think at one point someone was like, but it's a pole dancer. I was like, you don't understand, like, mm -hmm. she is so strong, and is, like, promoting, like, body positivity for exactly. all women, and, like, oh, yeah, yeah. it's incredible. So, you know, in the community of creation and art and stuff like that, we talk a lot about inspiration. And mm -hmm. um, inspiration is kind of this fleeting thing where sometimes you got it and then you go months and you're like, oh, I don't have anything. Ooh, yeah. So what is something, like, where do you find inspiration for those out there who may be like, and I'm a little dry right now and I need some new, some new place to look? Yeah, that's a really great question. And... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, yes, honestly, right now for, for an artist like myself, it's hard to find inspiration right now, right? Because um, I, I find personally, I find my inspiration from others and connecting mm -hmm. with others. Um, and as I mentioned, I work, I work with youth a lot. And so that is always a source of inspiration for me because as I mentioned before, representation is so essential for, for anybody, right? Mm -hmm. But especially for, for youth of color, and they really inspire me, one, to continue um, to try to strive to be a better performer. I know I'm mm -hmm. never gonna be a perfect performer or a perfect, perfect artist. Um, and it's that, it's that journey that is always also inspiring to me. So again, youth 
are very inspiring me, to me because I want to be able to show them a high quality experience and, and be a part of that. And I want them to see that somebody like them could do that as well. So that is an inspiration for me. And then the journey itself is also an inspiration. I, I try to learn every time. And I always look at mistakes as not failures, but mistakes as, um, as knowledge. Mm -hmm. And because we don't know what we don't know. And so when we make a mistake, then we do know. Yeah. And that's, again, those are my two big sources of inspiration are really youth and mm -hmm. the journey. Yeah, I've, I've, people have dogged on Gen Z, but I find like our young teenagers, I say that as like a 26 year old, but you know, <laughs> I feel like our teenagers are doing so much out there and being so active and like really caring about issues. Yeah. I used to be a youth minister and these kids like really wanted, they're like, how can we be better? at doing this like mm -hmm. how can we be better people how can we be better christians how can we love people better because what we've been told isn't doing that and i just find like they really are they really are the future you know it's kind of really are. and you know I, I always challenge they they i challenge them and in turn they always challenge me and so mm -hmm. i think that's also a great part of that inspiration is mm -hmm. when we are able to do that on at a generational level that's where we're able to like come together and really start to make something beautiful and create some magic in that in those moments. Yeah. Yeah, they always ask the hard questions. I think one time oh, a kid was like, they were like, why does hell exist? And I was like, oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh <laughs> I'm not prepared. <laughs> it was, exactly. It's those questions yeah. that, you know, again, uh, when they challenge me is also space a space for inspiration. And I love that. Yeah. So we're in this kind of weird space of quarantine, which we're, I'm honestly like, what do you, another stay-at-home order is coming. Like, let's be real. Like, we're in this for the long haul. So while we're all kind of in our spaces, in our homes, um, is there a specific book or film that you could recommend for po folks, not pokes, for folks, um, <laughs> that, that you think like, wow, everyone really needs to experience this film or everyone really needs to read this book right now in this moment while we have a little yeah. bit more time than we're used to. So actually, um, it's it's a series, if that's okay. Yes. Like yes. Flip the book a little bit, quote unquote, you know, to go into the pun. But um, it's actually on, it's Avatar The Last Airbender. I love Avatar! <laughs> so, um... I didn't realize why I loved it so much until I had a conversation with a good friend of mine, DR, who a lot of people yeah. in know is like, Avatar really shows one, um, how uh, boys specifically can manage their anger mm -hmm. and it gives them tools to be able to do that. And what relationships between young boys can be like, not toxic, um, not about violence, and so really teaching those, um, those skill sets and that, and that mindset at an early age, and then how to work through those things, right? And the journey that the two main characters like uh, uh, Zuko and, and um, oh my gosh, I already forgot his name, Avatar. Aang? Aang, yeah, duh. <laughs> like their relationship, yeah. uh, that journey is specifically, again, between men and like, how toxic masculinity just is like ridiculous yeah. but it gives uh, it gives a way for them to be able to talk about these things 
to talk through feelings and again, not using violence as a way to solve problems, which is a lot of toxic masculine, um, you know, uh, ways of doing things. And so Avatar The Last Airbender really kind of allows uh, young boys to see what it could be, what it, could, what it means to be somebody that is still powerful and still has strength but not having to use violence or the typical you know hyper masculine ways of doing things to to assert your strength and to assert your power that there is strength and power in being in being calm and being cool and and not wanting to go down you know uh some sort of violent pathway so i really recommend that as a way as a teaching tool and as as a as a model of what male like honest male relationships should look like oh i love that i'm so glad it's experiencing a renaissance now it's on netflix oh yeah and like that kids are discovering it again like i oh i could go on and on about that show i love that show yeah so that I was one of my recommendations and if i may also add one more absolutely um, yeah if, if you've got access to hbo um we are here has been a great mm -hmm. series um so it follows drag queens bob the drag queen um shangela laquifa watley and um eureka o'hara and what they do is they go into small cities very small conservative cities find a queer community there um and really try to change mindsets about what queerness could be like, but ultimately coming together um, in a community to be able to really have a good time and like break down walls and break down barriers. And so We Are Here has been um, a great series for, for not only queer representation in that, but um, giving giving like America out there a window into what it's like to be a queer person, that what that journey can be like, especially in small towns, mm -hmm. but then how we can support each other in that process. And so that's another great um, show that I've been watching and really, really connecting with. I'll have to go put it on my watch list because that sounds really yeah. interesting. We are here. Mm -hmm. We are here. Cool. So I do have one more question for you. Yeah. And it's a question you did not prepare for. So I <laughs> I always spring this on people because I think it's I, I think it. it's, okay, it's more authentic. You know, I want to I want people's authentic reaction. Yeah. Um, so the question that I ask everybody is, um, if you could broadcast one sentence or two sentences, if you need that extra uh, word space, um, to the whole world, and everyone would really receive it and soak it in and really like take it to heart, what would be your one message that you would try to get to everybody? Oh my gosh. I know. Uh I would say recognize the power in yourself because people will recognize that and understand that there are people out there like you who will follow you with your authentic power. I love that. So, yeah. Yeah, find your authentic I, power. Yeah, I, I really am responding to, especially like in this quarantine time, like what is <laughs> what is in you that is keeping you going mm. is essential. And so we have to recognize that we do have power in ourselves. And also that if I can add on to that, yeah. um, 
don't discredit your voice. Your voice means something and matters. And uh, specifically with people of color, right? Your voice matters um, and queer people especially and even uh, what that means. So uh, your voice matters and has, has power as well. So I would definitely say that because those are the times, especially now, that we really need to be looking within ourselves to gather our strength. Um, and we are not alone in that. And there is somebody, somebody out there who also feels the same way as you. That's fantastic. What a beautiful statement that like you are not alone and your voice matters. Like yeah. that sums it up. So thank you so, so much for sharing your, your heart and your soul during this time. I really appreciate you thank making you. the time. Yeah. And uh, if you tune in next week, there'll be someone new. Who's Yay! On the show. I don't know who it is yet, but we'll find out <laughs> together. <laughs>